right. We're then, now it's 11.01, so we're going to, hopefully you've got your drip. Throw out some of the things that you guys got to. What did you guys, what did you guys figure? Yeah. What were some of the words that you came up for D? Direction. Direction. So you want direction? I know one girl at our table said diligent. What other Ds did you come up with? Dependence. Dependence on the Lord. What else did you come up with for drip? Dedicate. Be dedicated. Shilu, what'd you get? Discipline. Draw or depend on the Lord. Haley, what'd you get? Dependent. You're just kind of daily dependent on the Lord. Yeah. What did you guys get for R? We're doing acrostic for drip. So we're doing an acrostic. A lot of discipleship is just about daily over time. We use that a lot. Millie uses that a ton. And when she talks about discipline, your child, that it's kind of over time. So we're talking about dripping. Discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction, persevering. And so what, what did you guys get for R? Relationship, reinforce. Read the word, be real. Relying on God. Relying on his word. What did you guys get for I? Intentional. Be intentional. Yeah, everybody likes intentional. That's why you're here, because you want to be intentionally discipling your children. Anybody come up with anything else for I? Invest. Invest. Take interest in what they're interested in. Being intentional. Okay? Integrative. Integrative, lots of, you know, they're different physical, social, emotional beings. Yeah, what about, what about P? Prayer. Lee, yeah, for sure. Patience, Patience priorities. Practice. Practice. Planning time together to go get coffee. Because <laughs> drinking coffee was one of the D's. You've got to have an alert mind to stay in the game of discipleship. What else? What would you say? Pro? Presence of the Spirit. Yeah. Plant. You're planting. Pray, for sure. What did you guys get for P? Pray. I love it. I, you know, and what we see across the spectrum is you guys are leaning in. There's a dependence on the Lord. You're intentionally investing His Word, right? You're praying, you know, and you are, um, you are practicing hopefully what you preach would be one for me. But there, um, we came across um, a quote. John, I got to know my husband through books because he had been led to Christ by the man I worked for for 10 years in Nashville. So my first impression of my husband were the books on discipleship and on youth ministry that he would send to my boss and we would read them. My boss had a lot of children, didn't have a lot of time to vet books. John was new in ministry in D.C. planting a church. He had just come out of seminary in Willow Creek. So he was a plethora of books and ideas and strategies. And so John had us read through Joe, The Making of a Leader by Robert. Robert Clinton. And I would really encourage you to give it to your husband maybe for Father's Day. It talks you through your sovereign foundations in life and how you really can't control if you grew up in a divorced home or you grew up in the country or in the city, what country you grew up on. There's so much about our lives we can't control. But on that sovereign foundation, God will build his kingdom. 
and you don't ever need to be ashamed of that foundation. Say, you know, you were raised by a single mom or you were raised in a house of eight kids and never had a new set of clothes. You don't have to be ashamed of that. That's something that's out of your control. And in that book, a quote came that has shaped the course of um, my life. And every time I think about it, I think about John. And it's, um, it says, methods are many, principles are few. Methods always change, principles never do. And every time I try to open a talk or think about things, you can walk away from here with a great lot of ideas. But just as Mandy said, there are no absolutes in this game. The absolutes are the things you just named. They're principles. And so today we're going to talk about principles of discipleship and how that morphs, not so much from preschool, because you guys are coming out of that game into elementary. And, and true to form, just as you guys all have already said, it's all about the relationship. Now, God gives us two hands. That's, we can only do so much. In discipleship, just like Mandy talked about, you're always reaching out in a Titus 2 way towards somebody older that you're trying to get time with, go around with. And one of the most practical ideas we came up with that we talked about at our table is right now our walk along the road from Deuteronomy 6 is more car time. And so if you are trying to disciple somebody, hop in the car and ride the rails with them. Even, especially if they're younger and have younger kids, you can turn a mom's, a young mom's, three hours of errands of getting in and out of the car with this baby into 45 minutes. And you guys can talk the whole time. When we had foundation groups and we have young marrieds, I have them come do carpool with me because you do not see it get more real than when I run a carpool. Because it is just going to happen. You know what's going to hit the fan. Stuff's going to come out. I have put my kids out and let them walk home because they're being disrespectful to each other. I mean, it is just, you see the real me then. Because so, we can sit over coffee and pontificate and philosophize all day long. But when you ride in the car with me, you see how I smell. You see how I roll. You see how I obey traffic laws or not. I'm also great at running out of gas. My last favorite gas story is we were coming back from the... Um, I want to say it was either the state semifinals or the state championship game in Round Rock. And I was low on gas. It was a low gas day. I want to say this was, this was the Thursday. So this was a Thursday. And John wanted to get back to Waco to try to eat lunch. We had nine people in an eight-person car. And we're driving back. And so I, think, I said, I think we really need to stop at Temple. I said, but why don't I just go ahead and drop you guys off at Chipotle to get food because he had to be back for a four o'clock meeting and I'll go get gas. Well, just as we're rolling into Chipotle, we run out of gas. We do. And I'm laughing. My kids are like, oh my gosh. And John's like, I can't believe you just did that. And I'm like, yes, um, I did. And it's a habit. And it's because I don't look at the gauge very well. And so this sweet little Marine pulls up beside us and goes, ma'am, do you need help? And I'm like, yes, I do need help. Here's Wes to help me right now. And he, um, so the sweet little Marine goes, can I help you go get gas? Because he saw my car, my kids pushing my car. This is two weeks ago, Wes, in Tipple, Texas, on the, um, off the, thankfully it was not on the highway, into the parking lot. Um, and I said, yes, I do. So John took the kids in and got Chipotle. The sweet little Marine took me to Home Depot and then to get gas and come back. And by the time we um, came back, we had gas, they had food, we were good. And so then we went on to the gas station. So that's my last, latest, greatest running out of gas story. And it happens, and I was able to talk about Jesus with him, and that was great. And so we had a divine appointment. Um, what I'm telling you is you've got two hands. Grab somebody older, grab somebody younger, and, and stay in the game with them. And in doing that, you build the body of Christ. You make a long chain of discipleship around. Don't take on more than you can take on. But if you are 
habitually reaching out to somebody older for wisdom. You're reaching out to somebody younger to pull them along, not just your kids, but put them in the context of your kids. That's discipleship. Um, the principles we're going to talk about today are, are just kind of busting out this drip method. For D, I put, you've got to daily be diligent to deliver a dose of God's Word. I came up with a lot more blanks. I only had two blanks when I started the talk, and then it kind of morphs into more alliteration. Um, but you've got to be, as you've talked about, daily dependent. You guys could deliver this talk yourselves. But you've got to be daily, and you've got to be diligent. The principle that I want to unpack on a larger scale today is one that, that Jonathan taught us years ago here at Watermark. You want to devote daily. Divert yourself daily to devote yourself to the Lord. You want to weekly withdraw to kind of recalibrate with your husband, with your calendar, with your Lord. Just take a two to three hour bask in his glory and say, what do you want me to do with my life? Come up for air. Where am I on track? Where am I off? And then annually, like Mandy's talking about this summer, you want to abandon. You want to abandon ship. You want to take yourself on a silent retreat. You want to do something where you are going to go to a conference. You're going to put it all down as a family. You're going to hopefully go camping, get some family vacation. But that's the principle that over the course of this outline, I want you to think about what are the principles that you would say, and you can talk about this later in your table time, what principles of discipleship are you employing? Because just like Mandy said, you are going to be more as caught than taught. Your kids are going to do what they see you do. They're not going to do what you say. And if you don't have the practice in your home of diverting daily, withdrawing weekly, and abandoning annually to the Lord, they're not going to either. And it's just that simple. And so anything you see at a preschool level, it's 11-11, so say a prayer for something you want to see the Lord do. That's one of those habits that somebody back in Nashville got me in the habit of. Every time I see the same numbers all across the clock, I pray. And so you can pray that. The second R, the R is review and repeat. You have to keep it in front of you. And I think a practical way to do that is definitely a to-do list. But you have to keep your vision front and center with all the chalkboards that are out there and all the little things you can change and put up. You need to keep your vision central. Um, beside our computer, we have... Um, Psalm 101, no vile thing. We have a mouse pad that says no vile thing because we have had to memorize Psalm 101 and we want every time they sit down, I will set no vile thing before my eyes. You know, we want, you have to keep it in front of you. So you want to review and repeat these things over and over. I think with discipleship here at Watermark, they talk about the pillars and training and, you know, really modeling. Um, they give you the best curriculum you could ever have on Sunday morning. You're discipling your child in a character trait of God that you go through the whole month. Take that card home. Tape that in your car. When you pick up your car, kids, and you drop them off, review the verse of the month, memorize it with them, and then review that. I think the false notion is that we have to come up with our own curriculum for discipleship. If you are involved in a great church and in a body like Watermark or wherever you worship, they have a curriculum they're already doing with your elementary kids. Find out what it is, and especially for those of us who were not raised in Christian homes and we really didn't have Sunday school as a part of our vernacular and have all those stories embedded in us, you can learn with your kid. I have a friend who just moved here from Taiwan. She's here for two years. For 13 months, nobody invited her to lunch. Nobody invited her to dinner. She lives in a great neighborhood, great school. So when we started getting together, she'd already been here 13 months. And so we got her just a child's story Bible. And her kids know English a lot better than she does. She's doing research. So she's just dealing with mice all day. They don't talk. And 
and the children are learning it at school, but they have been reading this story Bible every night, and her kids are like, one more story, one more story. But she's learning the stories because she's never been in church from listening to them and from reading to them. She's learning English, and she's learning a story. And so I would just encourage you to review and repeat what you're doing on Sunday. Take that monkey off your back of coming up with the latest, greatest devotion book. Just do what you do with your kids. Review those stories. Maybe read them in different versions. In your, on your Bible app, um, if you have Bible, just the Bible app on your phone, they have My Strange Bible, and they have this, um, you know, the Bible project, and they have all these ways that you can watch a little video about the story if you're, if you're lost on what, you know, the true wisdom behind it is. I would encourage you to get away from technology, but if you do use technology, make it work for you. As Mandy was saying, it can be a monster or it can be a huge, huge tool. Um, the I is, you've already hit on it, intentionally initiate. You are heading into a realm with your kids in elementary school where they don't really want to talk to you. You're not the coolest thing known to man. But if you intentionally initiate weekly to do something they love to do, if it's your boys and they want to throw the football, they want to go play around, I encourage you, my guy's favorite game right now, my eighth graders, is Frisbee golf. So get a set of real discs and walk around your neighborhood and you guys take turns playing frisbee golf and have intentional conversation for just that 20-25 minutes. You could set a three-hole course. You can set a nine-hole course. They love it. They do it in our neighborhood all the time. But set a date to do something intentional with your child that they love. If your kids loves to paint, they love to do pottery. Mine loves the moldable clay. They love to craft. Mine is crazy about cricket. But I have to set aside weekly something to do that they love. But while I'm doing it with them, we're intentionally talking about what I want to talk about. And make intentional use of your drive time. Know that you're pouring the word into them as you drop them off and as you pick them up. And I, my prone, my tendency, as you can tell, is to talk and is to preach. And I am telling you, you've got two ears and one mouth. Ask questions. Just like Mandy was saying with your kids and with the ladies you're discipling, ask them questions, the highs and lows of your day. But you're initiating with them, and they won't want to. They are going to give you pushback. They're going to, I, my oldest was, she had rather pull teeth than spend time with me for the most part. But then she comes home from college this last time and she's like, I want to make sure that in this four days when she's here over Easter, I get time with you. So we walk for an hour to pick up the car because it's parked because of the hail somewhere else in a parking garage. And I intentionally asked questions and kept my mouth shut. Because you know what? She's heard every sermon I've ever preached. She didn't need to hear him again. But she talked for that solid hour. And she gets there and apologizes for venting. And I'm like, you have just given me the best gift. Because a year ago this time, she wouldn't talk to me at all. I couldn't have had a three-sentence conversation with her. She would shut me down. But the Lord has brought her back. So stay in the game and initiate. Even when they reject you and say no, make sure you're moving towards them to initiate. And just to have conversations just like Mandy's already set us up with. The last one is practice and praise, okay? You've got to catch them doing something right. So much of you moving out of preschool, you've coddled the baby, you've been a time cop, you've been a cop for what they do and don't do. Now you're moving in more the coach role, and I'm telling you with elementary kids, catch them doing something right. Praise them. Man, I saw the way that you really held your tongue when your brother mouthed off at you. I saw the way you didn't want to go back in the house and get what mommy had forgotten, but you did. I saw the way you handled it when I had forgotten to bake the brownies you asked me to bake, and you were so gracious to me. But you um, need to practice what you preach, and you need to praise them and catch them doing something right. And um, 
And I really encourage you, just as I did in the mentor moment, to give praise to the Lord at every opportunity. Look, God gave us this parking space. Look, God worked that out. That soccer game canceled, and there was no way we could get those people all those places they needed to be. So that's kind of the drip. You've already come up with your own. Each of you could stand up here and do this talk. But part of it is taking the time to step back and go, what am I about? How am I consistently dripping into my child's life and devoting time to just overtime? These are all daily things because more is caught than taught. Um, Lessons we learned from our iWatch. Um, Kids are awesome at observation, horrible at interpretation. And I don't know if any of you are crazy about the Enneagram. We are... um, Mandy and Allison had our Nest team do it last year. My team at work has done it. It's just been phenomenal. And I have two threes in my house, my husband and my second daughter. And she watches her dad because he is a machine. Now, John is a disciplined machine. And so he got an eye watch. And so she says, Dad, could I please get an eye watch? And he says, sure, but you've got to earn the money for it. And she does. She babysits and she gets it and she earns it. And so it comes and they unpack it and it's a Saturday morning. I see a teaching moment because, you know, I'm a preacher. And so she, um, I go in and I go, now, Cindy, how are you going to learn to use that eye watch? And she goes, well, I'm just going to ask Dad. And I said, Cindy, does Dad know everything there is to know about that eye watch? And she's like, well, no, but he knows a lot. And because clearly she had wanted one because she saw how well he was using it and how much it was helping him. And if you ever see my husband and he's sitting there doing this, it's because he's trying to get steps. And because he has a step counter and he's stepping, even though he's sitting, having to drive in the car with us or listen to me. So in case you ever wonder, that's what he's doing. And so he has worked the eye watch to his advantage. And so he knows a lot, but I'm like, does he know everything, Cindy? And he's Cindy, he's like... She's like, no, he doesn't know everything about it. I said, who does? And she said, the person who made it, Mom. And I'm like, yes, they know everything. And I said, Cindy, who knows most about you? And she said, God does, Mom. He knows me inside and out. I'm like, yes, he does. He wrote the book. And I'm like, and so do you get to know more about you by talking to your dad and I or reading his word? And she said, by reading the word. And I said, there's an instruction book. And I love this Bible. One of the girls commented on it. It's called God's Game Plan. I got it when I was doing FCA back in college because the Bible is God's game plan. But if you don't read the book, you don't know all the intricacies of the, you know what, he may send your way. He doesn't always send good things. And you need to see it and know it and own it. And I said, so I really encourage you, don't just ask your dad, read the book and get to know because there are things that this watch can do that dad doesn't even know. But you have to use it. And I said, and if it's broke, who's going to fix it? Is dad going to fix it? And she's like, no, I'm going to have to take it back to Apple, the people who made it. And just like when we're broken, we've got to go back to God. And so I want you to be thinking about seeing things along your day with your elementary kids, especially they're very concrete. Pray that the Lord will inspire you that when you buy a watch, that when you do things like that, that you can continue to teach in the moment that he will help you illustrate his truth with very practical, real, everyday situations. And he will be faithful to honor that prayer. He will give you situation after situation. The most recent for us is our dog um, ran out in the street and got killed. And we, my youngest had prayed for a dog for seven years. John and I had no idea. We had said never for a dog. The Lord drops a beautiful miniature golden in our lap. And John had just said the week before we can get a dog. John and I were in love with that dog. He was everywhere we were. He, everything we wanted to be. He matched our house. He was just gorgeous and so delightful. Well, we had another dog move in with us because a guy was living with us who tended to bolt every time the door opened. So we, 
he had had a beautiful day with his best dog friend, with Pete, the guy that was living with us. They were on the back porch. They had been fed. They'd been to the dog park. Spent the whole day not home alone and with Pete. And I go to run soccer. My older girls go to soccer. John's out of town with Jay. Pete goes to work at training ground. And we put the dogs on the back porch. And a bunch of women are coming over that night. And so I'm going to run the hour's worth of routes. And so the yard guys come four hours late, let the dog out. Dog bolts onto lovers because they chase him for 30 minutes, being the good shepherds that they are. And um, he dies. And so he's perfect, though. He looks like nothing's wrong with him. And come, and we lay him on the back porch, and we're praying, and John and Jay are out of town, and we're crying. And they're starting to point fingers. They're starting to blame. Why'd you put him on the back porch? Why'd you not put him up? Why this? Why that? Why'd the yard guys let him out? Why does Como have to bolt? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know whose fault this is? And the Lord just gave it to me because I'm sitting there praying for wisdom. This is Scout's choice. Scout had the boundaries in really pleasant places. The boundary lines, he had had food, he had a best friend, he had all the love he could want. He chose to run. And girls, your kids are going to choose to run sometimes. They're going to not fall all the time within the boundaries that you draw for them. They're going to choose to bolt. And he did. And what does it say in the word? There's a way that seems right to a dog, but in the end it led to death. He was looking for love on lover's lane. It wasn't there. He found death. I mean, and it teaches the day over. All the day long, it teaches over and over. So John and Jay come home from D.C., and we're having to come to Jesus on the back porch. And I said, Lord, if you're going to take Scout, which I prayed Lazarus prayers over him for a week, would you please just give me a lesson a day? And I said, you know, it's kind of stinky out there, and we're trying to decide what to do with the dog because I can't let it go because I'm weird like that. And I don't want to bury it in the backyard, so my brothers agreed to bury it in Clifton. So we send it to Clifton, to where I grew up, and bury it behind the barn with all the rest of our horses and dogs, and somehow that makes me feel better. And so he, um, we're talking to Jay, and I'm like, you know, sin stinks. And sin doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody around you, because the porch still kind of smelled like scout. And so I'm like, you think that you sin in isolation, but you don't. The sin Shelly does affects her whole family. You know, the porn you watch, the money you spend too much of, the, you know, not neglecting God's word, the do's and the don'ts, it affects everybody. It's a body thing. And then um, John and I were still so very messed up about the dog. I mean, we could not get over the dog. And we were crying daily and we couldn't understand what, why. And um, what I came to realize is we were getting unconditional love and affection from that dog in a way that we were meant to get it from each other. And we were both leaning into Scout in a way that we should have been leaning and clinging to each other. And so I told John, I said, I can never be Scout for you. I can't jump that high when you come in the door, you know, and and I can't lay at your feet indefinitely, but I can do better. And I commit to you to do better. And the Lord has just consistently given us lesson after lesson. The last one that was so big is they blame the dog that runs away all the time. And I said, you know what it says in scripture? Do not let anybody lead you astray. Do not let. That was Scout's deal. Scout chose. And if you can start to, especially in elementary school, marry real-time examples, read the news, listen to the news, change the names, change any facts you don't want your kids to know about, but pull Scripture into that, you create your own sticky situations all along the way. And that's what I encourage you to do, is to create your own sticky situations at home and watch God teach into it, because they learn from stories. Um, Jeff Ward had put us on here to a couple of devotionals called Sticky Situations. There's a volume one and two. There's more out there. But it gives you a scenario, an elementary playground scenario every day, and then gives you options of what you can choose. It's a great table talk, a dinner time discussion. 
Um, we still read a psalm and proverb a day in our house, and we've learned to start reading proverbs at the end of the day instead of the beginning because we let it inform the situations we saw during the day. So the psalm is more praise, gets you right with God, kind of on the way to school. But at the end, we read Proverbs and go, how did you see this real time today? Um, so that's it. So uh, the R's, you have R, you have rest and remember. You have got to remember you are not in charge. The biggest thing that I had to realize with Scout is I had no control on his desire to bolt. God says, and we learned this in recovery, God, give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And it takes a lot of courage to step into the game with your child and just kind of wash, wrench, repeat all the time. Um, that's, you've got to, to rest in the Lord, rest in His sovereignty, and then reflect. You've got to know yourself and know your kid. Be a reader to be a leader. And that's what I've learned from my husband for a long time. You may not be a reader. You can listen to podcasts, audible books on tapes, but constantly as a mom, when you're walking, keeping new things in front of you. And again, when they see you enjoying books and listening to things and not just watching TV and doing social media, they will want that as well. I encourage you to have, and this is something we'll talk about later, but a book of the month that you're reading with your kids. It's just a great novel that you're reading aloud with your kids because readers are leaders and it's hot stimulus for your brain. It's really good. You've got to know yourself. You've got to know your kid. Um, and you and your husband have got to regroup. So reflect. The R could be regroup, reflect, and regroup. I have found this last year, now I'm going to start doing just more practical, just kind of shoot you with a canon of ideas, and then you can expound on them if you want to. Strength Finder has helped us as a team enormously, knowing that I'm a connector. If I meet you, I'm going to want to introduce you to somebody I know who can help you get down the road. That's just me. Um, I'm going to want to advise. I'm a two. My love language is advice. So knowing myself, my husband and I, my team at work, my team here has benefited muchly from um, the road back to you. And then now we're starting into the path between us, which is how you integrate those numbers. For them, Mandy put me on to the best find ever because it's like the Enneagram for kids. It's called Flag Page. And so it's a game night with your children that you do and you find out what they're motivated by, which country they're from. Are they fun? perfect control um, our peace. And all my kids to down, all five of them have fun as a part of their country, as one of their countries. And so I need to make whatever I do, chores, whatever I do, fun and incorporate that into the game. And then it gives you the five or six things they're really motivated by. And you and your husband can do it as a family date night. And then you, I refer back to those. I use them for my prayer time. They help me so much frame the discipleship that I do for my kids. That has just been a winner, winner, chicken dinner. Um, so I wanted you guys to know about that. And as I encourage you to have an acrostic for your kid that you're praying, make an acrostic out of their name at birthdays, things, characteristics you want to see them develop, and that gives you a frame for prayer. And again, back to the praise, try to catch them doing things right and praise them for every time you correct them. The next R is release, because your ultimate goal is to work somebody, work yourself out of a job. And I encourage you to read this book early. It's kind of ancient and archaic. I wish Wes and Mandy and Suzanne would redo it. It's called um, Suddenly 13. But it, the idea that it gave us that it's been such money for our kids is every birthday we sit down and come up with a set of responsibilities we're going to give them and then a set of privileges we're going to entrust to them. And that doesn't have to wait to 13 to do. What is your six-year-old capable of that would add to your team around the house? 
and release that responsibility to them so that over the course of 18 years, you're building a skill set. And she encourages you to do a birthday box, to make it a reveal each birthday what privileges they're going to get and what responsibilities those are tied to. You set milestones and you make it very visual for them, <clears throat> charts and marbles and all that sort of thing. But she encourages you, and this is true, we develop our kids physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We do an incredible job in America at academics and athletics and the arts in a lot of places, but not so much spiritually. So make sure you and your husband have regrouped and have a game plan for yourself spiritually. And the book that helped John and I the most on this is Three Questions for Frantic Families because it makes you come up with a seasonal mission statement. And they started out in that book, the dad was near heart attack, type 2 diabetes. And so for one season, the guy who wrote the book, they, their whole goal was to get dad in shape. And because they did that, it affected every area of their family. But they, as a team, came together and go, how do we help dad get in shape so he doesn't have to go on dialysis and go on diabetic treatment? And so make a, um, some common goals as a family. And I love that it doesn't have to be some overarching goal that's going to carry you for the next 10 years. It can just be a seasonal thing. You know, we need to save money. Our goal is to save money so that we can fix up the garage or build a back house or something. We want to build a tree house in the back. Make it a team goal. Make it something very tangible. And that is um, the three questions for frantic families. Help you frame your values and make them very tangible. Um, above all else, um, the whole physical, I encourage you just to take walks with your kids. Make them leave technology behind and walk and talk with your kids. Even if you're waiting on another kid to practice soccer, take a walk with the one you have and really talk to their hearts. The book of the month I've already mentioned, flag page I've mentioned for understanding how they're motivated emotionally and how they talk. And there's, there are vocabulary, emotional vocabulary charts that you can download off the internet. Put them around your house and in your car. And when you ask your kids how do they feel, have them look at one of those emoji faces on that emotional chart. Give them an emotional vocabulary. What we're seeing in region, what we're seeing in foundation groups is that kids do not know. Kids are growing up without an emotional vocabulary. They can't even really say glad, sad, mad. They don't know how they feel because they've been so much information is pumped at them, but they don't know how to process that emotion. So emotional intelligence, the one takeaway, if I had one thing for you to do, it would be teach them an emotional vocabulary, especially your boys. And they will see it and recognize that when you're reading books and you're looking at the TV show, what is their face saying? Their face is maybe saying, I'm fine, but what do you know to be true about them? And start to teach them to do the 99% of communication, not just 90 that's nonverbal. Um, teach them to read themselves and each other. And then spiritual, <clears throat> again, back, I really encourage you to take whatever your church is doing and go deep. If you insist on something more, there's a lot of great devotional books out there, but you can get in the weeds really fast with your kids in full-day elementary school trying to do too much. I think it's better discipleship and better tool to take them deeper in what is already being done so well 52 hours a year. Um, major on the majors. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Um, teach them elevator conversations, and that's really easy in the car. Um, what would you say if somebody asked you why you're a Christian? You have 30 seconds to respond. And see, you'll see really quickly what they know and what they don't. What's your favorite verse on not being angry? And let them answer that question. Okay, by the time you go to bed tonight, I want you to have found one. Give them little challenges, little catch and releases, um, and keep it simple. 
we have found, and this is, I wish I'd known this 18 years ago, the thing that's working for us the most right now in terms of chores and discipleship, because you're training them. Discipline and discipleship is all the same word. You're training them to be godly, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. We have a uh, chalkboard that we've had since we had Caitlin 18 years ago. We bought it from Pottery Barn. Never really knew how to employ it. But this last year, the Lord was like one of those brainstorm moments. So we've got a chore of the day, and we got each of them a magnet, and they get to choose over the course of the week which chore they do on which day. And so it's denoted like if it's the vacuum, the rugs, and stairs, then it's Lucy, so she has the red one by that on Tuesday, which she self-selected. So I'm able to look at them real tangibly and go, if all those magnets are not moved down to the done box, that correlates with what we do this weekend and what privileges you get to ask for in terms of going out with your friends. Um, That has been helpful, but the point is to make it visual and make them write simple contracts. Jay just rewrote his contract on whether it's using the phone or playing Xbox or Fortnite. Make them physically write out a contract that they hold to, and then you have consequences built in there. We are losing the ability to write in our country. I encourage you to let them use a pen and a pencil. You will be astounded at how little they can come up with on their own. Um, But make them write and make them commit. There is something spiritual that happens when you put pen to paper. Make them commit to even what they want to memorize, what their physical, spiritual, emotional goals are. That's um, That's what you want to do. Marbles are a great way to do it have a family goal of moving all the marbles from one jar to the other over the course of the week. And every time they do one of their chores, every time they read their proverb, every time they whatever, they move it over. And then when that's done, either they individually get a gift or, or not a privilege or you guys to, to do something as a family. So those are very practical things, but they're things that are working for us right now. And they work on an elementary level. And so you cannot expect what you do not inspect. So my biggest thing to you as a mom, John says, you've got to keep it simple. I come up with all these great initiative and ideas. And he's like, but we don't do any of them because you don't follow up and expect, inspect what you're expecting of them. So I just encourage you don't make any goals for your family or for your child that you're not going to be faithful to follow up on. The reason tests work is because they get graded. If your child went to school and took tests and it never got graded, they wouldn't study. They care that they come back and only know 60 or 70% of that material, and it inspires them to do better. It's got to be the same in life. We have to put little systems of checks and balances along the way for their spiritual development and make it fun. It's not a, you don't eat if you don't know your verse. I'm not saying that. But I am saying make it incentive. And with Jay, especially my boy, he just wants things to be fun. And so he's real, he's gotten back into airsoft again. And so we're doing little ticker tape things towards his daily dozen, towards money, towards an airsoft. Um, you, it is okay to pay and incent a skill in life. And discipleship is a skill. The world will help you disciple your kids academically, athletically, and in the arts. They will not help you disciple your kids spiritually. You have to come up with that own system yourself. Um, then relax. And just like Mandy was saying, be real. Tell them stories. They love stories. Every story I hear in the course of the day, I change the name and I may change some of the facts and I tell it to my kids and ask them what they would do. So everything I come across, like I just have a friend whose um, girl has started dating a boy and he gets drunk and beats her. Every time he drinks, he beats her. What do you do? What do you do about that? And it just put it out to them about where, where's wisdom in that. And, and I just think that if we, we have stories all the time around us, but if we use them and turn them into teachable moments, that's discipleship. Um, my last 
admonition to you is find a moms in prayer group. There's um, a book called Praying the Scripture for Your Children, and I get together with several groups of moms a week, and we pray through one of those chapters for our kids, lots of times when they were little, with their kids present, because that's how you learn to pray, by seeing it done. Find a group of people that you can pray with weekly for your kids. It could be the play group that you came out of square one with. It could be a group of moms from your class where two or three or more gathered. There's your name. Those are my sweetest friendships right now is the moms that I weekly pray over my family and over our schools with. So back to the basics. More is caught than taught. They do what you do, not what you say. Wash, rinse, repeat. And so that's kind of... um, a long way around telling you guys about discipleship for elementary. Um, Watermark has these, and I printed them off the internet. They have these early elementary life stage punch lists on parenting, and it just has the basics of what they recommend. A lot of what they recommend is what we talked about today. They have it for every age and stage if you go out to parenting resources at Watermark and just print them, use them, keep them up. You and your husband, just take a date and talk through them and see how, how are we going to do this and how are we going to kind of be the ball here. Um, so as you guys take your table time now until it's time to go pick up your kids, what I want you to talk about is um, what are the one or two things you've heard today between Mandy's talk and this talk that you think you're going to be able to walk home and might have an impact on you. And then also to follow up on our last question, what is the person who has discipled you done in your life that really how are you pursuing discipleship? What is the principle that works for you in terms of you becoming, we talked about our spiritual mamas, but what of this are you actually practicing? And then did you hear anything today that you're going to be able to move forward with? So let me pray for you guys. Lord, um, I know this morning has been a drink from a... From a um, fire hose, and I pray that no mom here would walk away feeling guilty or burdened. They would walk away feeling nurtured and encouraged and strengthened and trained, that they would walk away with ideas, not demands and ideas and principles, Lord, not just methods, but the idea of us dripping your truth and your word and your goodness intentionally over time um, into our kids through the relationships that we form with them and the things we repeatedly say and do that are based and grounded in your word, Lord, and that we practice what we preach. I pray that we would pray them, that we would praise you for the good and the bad. When this, the dog dies, Lord, when the door, dog is resurrected, when whatever happens, happens, Lord, we're able to turn it back to you. And I pray for these mamas, a special wisdom and spiritual insight that is able to take every situation they're in and let it point to you as our good God and creator and our maker and the lover of ourselves. Thank you for this time they've devoted to um, And then they've abandoned their children now to come be with you in this weekly moment, this monthly moment to learn more about you. Please honor that and bless it back to them a hundred times over. In your precious name we pray. Amen.